discovering stories of courage, determination, and hope. Welcome to Faith Radio's On the Road. Now, here's Ryan Thomas. Now, we are most definitely guilty on this program of using the word incredible too much. But today's story is truly deserving of that term. We're about to meet a man who heard about Jesus early in his life. The seeds of faith kept being planted, but life led him down some dark paths. Eventually, he found himself face down on his own floor in handcuffs as a SWAT team stormed his house. But a prison sentence was only the beginning of an incredible story of redemption and purpose in the life of Billy Ballinger. Today, he's using his one-of-a-kind musical gift in the single Tree and the Nails in an EP of the same name which you're going to hear me mispronounce somehow in just a few moments. I'm not sure how I did it, but I found a way. But what a treat it is to have Billy here on the road. The warmest of welcomes to you, Billy. What's the good word today, sir? Oh, man. The good word today is (laughs) if you don't have any hope, you're going to be depressed. But once you find hope, depression is gone forever. Mm. Mm. That's the word for today. The Bible says uh, what it it says, where there's no hope, the heart will be sick. But when desire comes, it's a tree of life. And I don't know about you, but I've experienced depression before. Some people have went really deep with it. Yeah. I'm not a psychologist. I'm not an expert in the natural, but I know according to the Bible, you will have a tree of life if you have hope. And, and God offers that us to every single day if we can just see it, you know? I got to say, I think that's the best answer we've ever had to the question, what's the good word today here, sir? You are starting off beautifully. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a thousand. All right. Yeah, you are. Okay, well, let's talk about Tree of the Nails, the amazing single. Uh, you've said this song really functions as a chance to take the focus off of our mistakes and to put it back onto what Jesus did. Yes, because I think that you know, it's interesting, right? We get saved by grace, the Bible says. We're saved by His grace, having faith in that grace. Um, it's funny, though, isn't it, that after we get, you know, and, and, and I can see, I see this translated through the music. I'm very grateful that I have an opportunity to work with such great writers and people around me that help craft some, a message that says, look, you got saved by grace. Now you don't have to work to keep it. It's interesting that we, we get saved by, the, by grace through Jesus Christ, but then once we get saved, we're all excited, and then after a while, somehow we get trained, you know, to start working to keep what was given to us for free. And, and I think that's translated through Trina Nails, and it's, it puts the focus on what he did, because every single time I focus on me, I'm going to focus on failures, mishaps. I missed it here, I missed it there, which actually is a right heart to recognize that we need God, but it's a wrong thinking, though. Right heart, wrong thinking, because the thinking is put our mind on Christ. And we put our mind on Him every single time I do, it brings me great joy, because I start thinking about who He sees me as. I see Him who He is. I don't know. I just want to translate that to people through the music, through the message, through the story, because if people grab that, again, that right there, it obliterates depression. Hmm. It brought hope in. It makes you happy about your day. It'll make you bless somebody else. It'll make you happy enough to tell somebody else about the hope that you have because you feel good. Hmm. You know, Jesus said what? We love our neighbor as ourselves. So we got to first love ourselves. 
And <laughs> we're not going to do that if we're focused on the mistakes that we've made. So hopefully that explains how I feel about the message of hope that comes through the, the song, uh, Tree in the Nails. You know, I think this is a reality for a lot of artists in CCM, but it's something that I've heard you say explicitly that you love music, you love what you do, uh, you take joy in it. But really, at the end of the day, the music is a vehicle for the message. And if you were to put it in a nutshell, what is that message? Oh, well, okay. I would say this. Your story is unique. Mine and yours and and all the listeners right now, there is a story in there. That story is the greatest message of hope you will ever tell. That story of Jesus, what Jesus did, the testimony, your testimony, greatest sermon you'll ever preach. I truly believe that. And so if that's not being, if that's not being told through the music, then we're, we're missing it. If it's just a feel good vibe or a beat, which we like all that, to be honest, Mm -hmm. but we know at the end of the day, when you go home and all of that's gone, what's the foundation? So the message is not only that we should worship Jesus, but what I see in the Bible is, is that while we're giving God all the glory, he's turning around looking at us as his kids going, here, put my clothes on, put my armor on, go out and act like me and have fun doing it. This is your purpose. You've got a purpose. I love it. I love that very much. Mr. Billy Ballinger is with us today on the road, recording artist. His single is The Tree and the Nails, also an EP of the same title. Now, your story, you've talked about the importance and the gift that stories are. Your story is uh, nothing short of incredible. You're raised in what you describe as a broken home. And you often start to run away from home as a teenager. And I was so struck by what you said in another interview. You said that what you were looking for was peace, but Mm -hmm. you never really found it in that, in that way. Yes. Yeah. That's so true. I, man, peace, um, a place of rest, but the rest wasn't coming because I was so looking for acceptance everywhere. I'm a personality that loves people like like being able to um, share the story, you know, with your audience and talk with you right now. This is communion for me. It's mm-hmm. feeding my spirit. And man, so, some people like to be alone. I don't know how I don't dig that. <laughs> I like, I just love people in community and growing up, man, as a young kid, I think, you know, there's an enemy of our soul. There's an enemy and it's not God. It's, it's, demonic forces, things that try to steal our hope and keep us down and depressed. And he somehow knew that I had this big personality, but it was just like, in, in my parents trying to do well, kept me way, way overprotected as a little kid, I guess you could say. I was adopted at age three, so my adopted parents just meant, meant well. And I'm thankful for them and what they did. Um, but they just didn't realize it was this big personality that needed community. And therefore, that's what I mean when I say I was trying to find peace. I just wasn't happy. It just wasn't there. I had moments of it, but a lot of sadness, um, trying to find community and acceptance and friendship there. Uh, But yet also, I was heavily bullied as a kid, uh, heavily. Elementary, middle school, high school. These were all public schools, um, which later resulted in me going down a really, really bad road. 
you know, of all that building up. But, um, yeah, I would say that, that I was, I was just struggling to find peace as a little kid and rest and, and being able just to enjoy the day. But I dreaded school, dreaded going here, dreaded going there, dreaded, you know, this wasn't working out for me. I guess is the best I can say at that yeah. time. Well, a significant change is on the way. You find yourself placed in a residential facility, a group home, essentially. What was that like? And it was such a significant place. You met some people that were going to change your life there. Yeah, yeah. That that facility, I want to mention them. It's called White's Residential and Family Services. It's uh, out of Wabash, Indiana. The place has been there like 165 years uh, the court systems in different counties in our state of Indiana would, and, and other states as well would send children there to try to get them some help. And thank God is a Christian facility founded on the uh, biblical principles of Jesus Christ, salvation through Jesus Christ. And um, that's what they ministered to the students. We lived in cottages. We had house parents. I was there for 15 months. And, you know, I actually, a lot of kids don't want to go there because it, it's incarceration to them, to me. I saw it as hope, as a new start, as as a community of people that didn't know me as this kid in public school that everybody made fun of or that was bullied. I saw it as as a new start, a chance to maybe make the basketball team there, you know, the soccer team. Or and so I ended, I ended up joining choir there, which was co-ed because they had one end of the campus was female juvenile girls and the other end of the campus was a male juvenile boys. And so uh, I joined the choir. And uh, I did meet some, I met a lot of special people that are still important to my life, but the number one that I met there would be my wife, Jody. She was, she was actually sent there from her County at age 15. And, um, she was there for 14 months. I was there for 15 months and we fall in love there. Now, not only that, there was a lot of, as I said, a lot of biblical principles, a lot of love given to the students there. You had a lot of discipline too, right? So you could, get in a lot of trouble if you didn't watch it but i got better at basketball there people paid attention to that sure uh i actually made some impact there and that way i started singing there in the choir met jody found love and 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 so in fact bro i was just there three days ago oh really i went back there to speak and my wife went back there to speak and share our story with um some students there and man we always talk about how the generations change, man, but I'm telling you, those kids just have had some real tragedy in their life, and I'm very thankful for a place like White. Uh, well, it's a beautiful time in many ways of seeds being planted, and it's not a straight line from there to today, but there's a key moment in the story soon after this as you and Jody continue to uh, develop your relationship you said you had some really great opportunities for the future. You know, the future is bright and you really see that. But instead, you and Jody find yourself moving forward towards this illicit illegal yeah. drug trade. What was the genesis of your relationship with drugs and mm. how did it pull you guys in just deeper and deeper? Yeah, you know, um, when I said there's a lot of opportunities, when I was released from White, you know, I had a, a lot of, you know, I, I went to work as a 17-year-old. Uh, she went back to her home county where she was from. And a lot, a lot of things, when people are no longer incarcerated, you know, some of the dangers are, are they going to go back 
to the same communities and, and same surroundings. Both of us did, but I just had more, much more support than she did. And I had just opportunities. Went back to high school. I had gotten good enough while I was incarcerated to be able to, to play basketball in a, in a normal high school setting and with other schools and things that just had a bright possibilities for my future. But I, I felt, like I said, I fell in love with Jody. And the problem was, is that I didn't have a car. I had no way to go see her. She was from a different part of the state. I don't know. And just one day I just made a really, I made a decision. I wouldn't recommend this for any young person to do it uh, with all the opportunities I had in front of me, but I made the, I made a decision and I ran away from home because nobody would take me to go see her and I missed her. And so I ran away from home when I got to her environment in her town, this was how she was raised. Her family allowed me to move right in as a runaway. Wow. So I moved in. So now we're living together age 16, 17 at that point, she's on probation. I'm a runaway. The sheriff's department's looking for me and I'm hiding out, but yet living there with her family. Well, we maintained that until we were um, 17 and 18 years old. She got pregnant. She became pregnant. We moved out on our own, and then we ended up getting married. Uh, when we did, uh, I want to say this, throw this in real quick. There were moments that I would take, if, if something wasn't going right, there would be moments I can imagine walking down the street or being in my bedroom or something where I would just cry out to God and say, would you help me right now in this situation? Could you help me? help me get out of this. There were those moments where I would pray that way, but then, then I just would forget about him and go living my own way. So after, um, after a little over a year of being married, our daughter was nine months old. We had begun, our house had became the party house. Uh, and, and this shows the, really the genesis of what happened in my life. I, I was heavily bullied as a young kid, but now at this point I'm around her friends where she was never bullied she was involved with a lot of people and raised in a rough home in a rough environment where she was, it was very violent, I guess you could say very violent. So the only way I was going to be able to live and still stay alive in being with her in that environment now is I had to become violent. So when I turned 17, something snapped on the inside of me and all those, all that lack of peace that I experienced and, and just lack of, a community, I don't know, I just became violent, snapped on the inside of me, and I started hurting people. I became very violent, looking for violence, looking to hurt somebody, looking to pay somebody back. And I started building this reputation. I started finding community, but it was the wrong community. Very violent people, felons, known felons coming in and out of my home. Um, I'm selling, I've got violence going on. Uh, my house is the party house. And then a SWAT team on September the 12th, a Monday afternoon, a SWAT team raids our house, fully dressed in black from head to toe, black ski mask, black 12 gauge pump shotguns. They raided my house that day. Um, it, just a, a crazy, crazy story. And we end up incarcerated, losing custody of our daughter. Uh, and then eight months later, we end up getting sentenced to prison, adult prisons, um, and separated at that point. Man, there's a couple of things I want to pick up on because this is such a pivotal moment in your story. But if you're just tuning in, Billy Ballinger is with us today. He's a recording artist. His single is called Tree and the Nails. He's got an extended play of the same name available across the Fruited Plain. 
as well. This extraordinary scene of the SWAT team bursting down your door, you find yourself lying on the floor in handcuffs. The reason they were there, something about it was a matter of a stolen gun and stolen cash. Is that about it? Sometimes you just don't know those one or two decisions that you make that you think, you know, hey, maybe get by with this. Well, I had some friends that had uh, stolen a weapon, but it wasn't like they had stolen from a store or something. Uh, it was stolen from another drug dealer's house, mm. which amplifies the whole situation because I was selling and my house would become the party house. Well, this was a whole different group of people that we didn't hang with, you know? And again, all this is just because Billy didn't have no peace. Billy's trying to find that some kind of peace, especially peace, yeah. trying to find community. And like I said, the enemy had laid a trap for me and I didn't realize it. And so what was happening was, is this weapon was stolen, also a duffel bag full of marijuana, and probably nearly a thousand dollars in cash. You know, in the grand scheme of things, that's not a lot of money. But the idea is that it was taken from another, another, uh, another dealer. So okay. what happened was, is I'm involved with this group of people. So my involvement, and then the violence that was going on, there were shootings at my house. Uh, my wife, I can remember my wife and my daughter being out on the front porch, sitting there with their little baby. Joey's sitting there, it's like 9 p.m. in the evening, and shots being fired right over her head. And then the police just really stepped up their efforts to put a stop to all this violence that was taking place on the south side of Muncie, Indiana. And they just started arresting all of us. They arrested all of them. They arrested all of us. They, like I said, they raided my house. And of all places to be arrested when they raided my house, I was actually in the bathroom. It's a crazy story, but I can remember jumping up out of this water and putting my, grabbing my pants real quick and putting them on before that bathroom door comes flying open and that 12-gauge pump shotgun goes up against my head. So then they take me out, put me on the floor, and read me my rights. And at that moment, you're thinking all the things you hoped about, dreamed about, what could happen, you just never dreamed that this was going to happen. Oh, man. Well, in the aftermath of this, you get a job in construction, and this is really something. Your boss takes a personal interest in you. He invites you to church. Can you tell us a bit about this guy and then how you responded to that invite? Oh, man, that invite happened in the gas station. So a lot of people that are people that are listening might understand that um, when, 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 you, um, when somebody's incarcerated or they get arrested, they have a chance in most cases to pay bond and bond out of jail. And so that's what we did until our trial. In the meantime, we tried to clean up our lives, trying to show, trying to show the court systems that we are trying to do better. We wanted to get custody of our daughter back. I mean, we, we truly loved each other, loved each other then, and we loved our daughter. We were just making terrible decisions. So here's what happened. I get sent to a state hospital for drug evaluation, ended up being drug treatment. I get out of there. I don't have a job. My wife had gotten a job at a gas station. She was robbed at gunpoint three times at this gas station. On the third time, I said, that's it. You're quitting, and I'm going to go find a job. So we're in this gas station. Now, keep in mind, we're only like a month, a month and a half away from going to a jury trial where we would be convicted of crimes. In the meantime, we're just trying to live. I'm in this gas station. A guy comes in the gas station, really kind of, that's a long story, kind of supernatural how he even ended up being there. 
we later seen that God sent him. But at the time he comes in the gas station and he, he comes in and he basically hears me saying that I'm, I need to find a job. And he just hires me on the spot. Like he goes, <laughs> I will hire you. I will hire you. Whoa. I'm a construction worker. Can you do construction? I said, well, I think I can dig a hole. <laughs> That's about it. He yes. said, I will hire you. Well, the interesting thing was he saw that my excitement, because I needed the job and he hired me right then. He used that as an opportunity. Turns out he was a Christian. And over a conversation over the next few minutes, he, he it's amazing what happens because he begins to tell my wife and I about, you know, hey, do you guys go to church? He said, Easter's coming up. Do, do you guys have plans to go to hmm. Easter? We go to church. We're Christians. Would you like, would you, would you be interested in coming and visiting our church for Easter? And then of course, my wife's super excited. I'm only really excited mostly because he gave me the job <laughs> and you know, and then I'm, so he's, I'm being baited is what's happening, but in a good way, we have no future. We have no money. We have nothing. And they start sowing into our life and pouring into our life. Wow. I mean, bro, I'm still friends with this couple today. That's great. We're family. That's great. We're family. What an incredible story. What an incredible life. Uh, of course, since sadly the program is as short as it is, we only have several minutes left, but uh, let me let me just make sure and hit that point where you do go to church. And then this is a couple services in, I believe, where you're sitting there and the altar call comes and yeah. you just feel that communication from God and that compunction to get up and you go forward and give your life to Jesus. Well, yes, and, and you're right. We did go to his church. I started working for him. And we would go, when I first went to that church, uh, it was kind of scary, right? So it just felt like coming out of the life we were living, it felt like needles sticking in your body all right. over. But we right. stayed with it. They loved us. And there was an altar call given one night. And my wife and I both raised our hands for that altar call. And, and it was only two weeks later, my wife was, my wife was baptized there at that church. And then the next day we went to jury trial. So that's really how it happened quite quickly. Uh, this whole time, we never told the pastor of that church that we were going to trial. We never told him any of that stuff. Ironically, his second job was that, that he was a sheriff's deputy. <laughs> and I know it's crazy, right? God had all this lined up. So we go to jury trial, having rededicated our lives to the Lord. I think I did it even again when I was in jail. I I, the Baptist, thank God for the Baptist Christians that came in and shared Jesus again in jail. And, and, and I prayed the prayer again and rededicated my life again. And, but now Jody was in jail. I was in a different jail, jail and we go to trial. We're, we're found guilty. But, you know, when they sentenced us to prison, that same pastor showed up at our sentencing to be a character witness for us as a sheriff's deputy. And he wow. told that judge, he said, I really believe in this couple. Wow. I, I really believe in him. Um, and that impacted us uh, at the time. It did not impact the judge. <laughs> she still sentenced us to, we both received six years in prison, six year prison sentence. And, uh, but you know what, bro, the seeds were planted. Thank you, Jesus for how he's, and I want the listeners to hear this right now, right now, God is sending people across your path. You may not see it, may not know it, but trust him, talk to him cry out to him because he came running when we cried out to him and he turned that whole situation around and we got past it and we started 
seeking him and he started teaching us and strengthening us, you know, and we've been with Jesus ever since. Man, there's so much more too. I mean, there's how the six year sentence becomes two years and the rest of the sentence is suspended. There's how you join the praise team at church and people just see the gift that you have and you come to making original music. But let me just give you the chance, if you want to learn more about Billy Ballinger, the recording artist behind the single, Tree and the Nails, and the EP of the same name, where is the best place to learn more? Where is the best place to stream or pick up a copy of the single, sir? Yes, um, best place for everybody to go, just have them go to billyballinger.com, and uh, there's all the information about our ministry and, and how the Lord is using this story to impact people. You get the music there. You can get my wife's book, Beautifully Unbroken, The Prostitute's Daughter. It's her story and our story combined. Um, it's just, we're just grateful. You go there and, and just, once you get the material, you get the music and you get the book, share it with people. You'll see lives changed. And I would just encourage the listeners, keep sharing your story. People need to hear it. Mm. Uh, well, my friend, what a treat to be able to meet you today and to hear this incredible story. Uh, my only sadness is that the show wasn't even longer so that we could go in even deeper. But thank you so much for being here. Congratulations on the success of the new music as well. You too, brother. Thanks so much for this opportunity and, and how God used you know, your ministry there. I look forward to talking to you guys again. Thanks for sharing in the story of this latest episode of Faith Radio's On the Road. For more on today's conversation and the full podcast archive of all our episodes, look for On the Road when you visit MyFaithRadio.com. 